Welcome to another episode of the M121 podcast. I'm Josh Coker, and today I'm joined by Chris Folsom, who's the pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Brunswick, Georgia. You can find them online at zionpbc.org. And he's also the host of a really cool podcast called The Elder Record, uh, where he interviews multiple Primitive Baptist ministers uh, so that you can get to know what he calls the person behind the preacher. I love that. Um, The interviews are very personal interviews where you get to know them, but also a lot of rich uh, biblical knowledge that you'll gain from that. Their slogan are preachers are people too, so I encourage you to check out the Elder Record on any of the major podcast distributors uh, when you get a chance. Brother Chris, thanks for joining us. Brother Josh, a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. First question for you, how how hot is it in South Georgia today? Well, today on uh, what is what is our calendar day, uh, the 21st of June, 2022, it's very comfortable, but as a typical South Georgia day, it's humid. <laughs> well, we're experiencing a heat wave here in Alabama, so I'm sure it's, I'm sure you're getting that too. Um, I've always said the well, best things in the world come out of South Georgia because I was born in Valdosta. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Uh, about 60 miles south of where I was raised. Awesome. Well, I've asked Chris to come on today as we continue kind of a a series of podcasts we've been doing about becoming a primitive Baptist. We started this year with just a quick podcast. It's impossible to go through everything that we believe or teach as primitive Baptists, but just a, a podcast with David Wise about what is a primitive Baptist. Then I've interviewed um, three people so far about their journeys and and they've all been different um, backgrounds of people who grew up in other Christian denominations or other uh, types of belief who who were kind of journeyed to the primitive Baptist and I I was listening to the elder record recently and gathered that brother Chris had been through the same thing so I wanted to to speak to him so Chris this is a it may be my podcast but I want it to be uh, a lot more of you than it is me, so I'm going to turn it over to you. And if you could just uh, tell our audience about how you grew up. Did you grow up in a Christian family environment and kind of uh, lay the groundwork uh, for where you started? Brother Josh, I'll tell you, it, it's, I'm not a, extremely comfortable about talking about me, but uh, I, do, I do understand uh, where you're coming from, and I find it fascinating to listen to other people's stories, how they came to uh, and and, and I, I hesitate to use the word story. I prefer event, their, their event or events that brought them to the Primitive Baptist. And I was raised with a, a in a Christian family. Uh, my my dad was a very faithful person, although he was not an individual that uh, spoke a lot about things of faith, but he walked it. And uh, my mother was an individual who was a believer and, and uh uh, she was an individual who tried to walk it. She, I think she struggled a little more than my dad did, uh, just from the way that they were raised somewhat differently. Um, and, and my, my mom basically came from a farming community and my dad was, uh, uh, if you could say this, if there was such a thing during the course of the depression, uh, his, his father was a dentist, a doctor. And, and, uh, so they had somewhat more means than, uh, a, far, a regular farming family would have such as my mother came from, but, uh, uh, there was, there were struggles on both sides and, but both of them loved the Lord and, and made sure that we were in church every Sunday. And, uh, we, we were raised, I was raised by me and my I have three older brothers and we were raised in the Southern Baptist church in, uh, predominantly in middle Georgia. 
in, in a little town called Cordial, a watermelon capital of the world. Some will debate that, but we still believe <laughs> that we were the watermelon capital of the world. But Is anyway, that where the watermelon crawl came from, the Tracy Bird song? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I just know that. Uh, uh, it says he was driving he, through Georgia in about July. I think well, that's it, how it, it starts. It, it could be, but uh, in in that little small town, uh, sixty miles south of Macon, Georgia, on Interstate seventy five, and roughly sixty miles north of Valdosta, Georgia, on on seventy five. Uh, I-75, uh, we produced a lot of watermelons and cantaloupes, and in the summertime, you know, you smelled rottening cantaloupes and rottening uh, watermelons because the farmers were taking them to market and they'd fall off of the back of trucks and tractors and all of that and hit the road and they'd just be left there and and, and, and you would smell them. And, and the primary, the, the cream of the crop for a watermelon uh, was uh, they were they were called crimson sweets. So I think they still are today. And and I've always been told I don't know how accurate it is, but I've always been told that uh, there was there there was a legal court battle between some town in Texas that said they were the watermelon capital of the world, and and uh, and, and some legal argument between them and Cordial and and some court somewhere. And I don't, like I say I don't know how accurate it is, but determined that cordial was was the watermelon capital of the world i don't know if it was by volume i don't know if it was by the by the sweetness of the watermelons but you know watermelon capital of the world and, and it's great great little little town to grow up in it may go back to if there's a country song about georgia or texas it was georgia so that maybe that's how they decided uh, that it was maybe the watermelon so. capital of the world well we love watermelon in our house but um so you grew up in and a southern baptist home I did. I did well, going to Sunday school and uh, uh, choir practice and and uh, uh, RAs, which is for those of the Primitive Baptists may not be aware of. It. And, and I don't know how much they use the, the 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 abbreviation RAs. It was Royal Ambassadors, and they right. had that was for boys, and and then the girls they had GAs and. Uh, I guess it was a uh, girl ambassador. I, I, I don't know. Cause you know, we weren't allowed on that side of the, on, on that side of the building. <laughs> well, it sounds like they were a lot smarter than a lot of folks today. Um, but, Maybe. um, well, and I will, I won't stop and say this. I've probably said it every time we've talked to someone, these podcasts, this series of people we're talking to about becoming primitive Baptist is in no way to disparage other Christian denominations or other Christian people. So many good Christian people out there, but, you know, as someone who is a primitive Baptist and very, I, I truly believe that primitive Baptists get a bad rap in 2022 and have for a long time. It's a, it's a, it's a strange name to some people. There's, uh, it's, it's when you come to a primitive Baptist church, there's, there's, there's not a lot of those things, Sunday schools or Royal ambassadors or, or choirs. So it's a little different than a lot of people are used to, but man, it it being a primitive Baptist is I wouldn't trade it for anything, and it's just uh, it's blessed my life and my family in so many ways that I want to tell other people about it, and this is one way that we're doing that. So we'll get that disclaimer out of the way. So you grew up in a Christian home, and that's a great blessing. Um, how how long were you were you a Southern Baptist, or when you went to you know when you grew up, you you kind of go out on your own. Uh, you're not being brought to church anymore. It's your decision. Did you continue in the church? I tell you, my my dad uh, um, uh, probably when I was fourteen or thereabout, maybe thirteen, maybe fifteen, somewhere along there. 
he stopped requiring me to be in church on Sundays. And, uh, and, I, and I think that goes back to, and I never talked to him about it, but I, I think that goes back to uh, that, that particular thought process that somebody needs to make a decision for themselves. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm thankful that, that he, he was a man that, that gave me a good foundation in it, that it's important not only to go to church, but it was important to him. He was a man that, that read the Psalms uh, every day. Uh, and he didn't boast about it. He didn't, he didn't say, this is what I read today, but, uh, just over the course of the life, you, you uh, over my life, particularly as I got older and, and, and began to, uh, have a, a better understanding, I saw it more and more, more so than I did with a child as a child. But, you know, to say that, you know, he, he did, he did more or less turn me loose from that, that perspective. And, and, uh, you know, I was a heathen of heathens. And and uh, not proud of that uh, at all, but you know, I, I I consider I look back over it and I consider myself to be like similar to the prodigal son. I, I may have been as bad as the prodigal son, but uh, you know, and, uh, and I may not have. I, I don't know, but I, but one one is equal to the other. I mean, if you're as bad as the uh, as Scripture teaches us of the prodigal son was, then if you're slightly that bad, you're just as bad. So. Uh, that that's one of those aspects that I, I look back and, and I'm not very proud of well, not, not proud of at all, but yeah, I uh, completely and, and, understand brother. Trust me. And, 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 and that lasted for many years. And, uh, although, uh, I was introduced to the primitive Baptist, uh, when I began dating my wife, uh, Laura Stuber Folsom, my of course, obviously Folsom being her married name. Uh, and, and, uh, she was raised, she was born and raised in the Primitive Baptist church or, uh, and when we started dating, she began to, uh, because I worked on Friday nights and Saturday nights and, uh, uh, in the radio business, uh, at the local radio station, um, you know, for us to have a little bit more time together, uh, she would, she would, uh, you know, require as a, as a harsh word, but pretty much demanded <laughs> to, to, to my buckling that I go to church with her. So I, I would go to church Good for with her. her occasionally. Absolutely. Uh, and, and she's been a great blessing to me in, in, in my life and in the ministry. But, uh, you know, we, we would go and, and uh, I was so blessed that I can look back on it and see how blessed I was. But at the time I was so ignorant, I had no idea but I sat under the voices of men uh, like Elder uh, uh, C.A. Blanton, those who know him personally, with Cleve Blanton. Uh, he was actually the – he officiated our wedding. Um, Cecil Darty. Uh, these, uh, 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 these were men that uh, I was set under the voice and heard them preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrines of sovereign grace and had no idea who these men were. Uh, and, and it was not until year, literally years later that I, I looked back on it and go, how blessed was I to sit under them? And I wish I'd paid a better attention yeah. uh, to those, to those men. And, and uh, uh, you know, one of, one of the, one of the ministers It's quite funny that uh, elder J E Griffiths, uh, uh, he was uh, pastor at uh, one of the local churches there in southwest georgia 
and uh, that my that my in-laws and my wife at the time, my girlfriend at the time, my wife uh, attended and he, he would later say after after the Lord began dealing with me and I came to the church, he would say he would see me in the pew and say, that's the most miserable human being I've ever seen in my life. And and it's true. I was. I mean, we chuckle about that today. But uh, and I love Brother J.E. He's a, he's a wonderful minister and I consider him to be one of my fathers in the ministry. Uh, but uh, uh, it was true. It, you know, from the 17, 18 years of age when we started dating and ultimately getting married uh, uh, up, up for about 16 years, I was not interested in church. Uh, I was not interested in, in uh, uh, you know, being a person of faith. It's not that I didn't believe because there's not, and I don't say this boastfully, I say it very humbly, particularly today, that there's not a time in my life that I don't remember that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. There's not a time in my life where I, I, I don't remember that. Uh, but I didn't live it. And uh, it was not until uh, our daughter was born in 92 that the Lord really started burdening me that, uh, my, you know, I was still technically a Southern Baptist and my wife was still technically a primitive Baptist. And and I, I feel like in, in many ways that she followed me from the aspect of being pretty doggone worldly and pretty heathenistic that that you know we both parted from church for for a period of time and uh and and but once once our daughter was born i just really felt the burden that laura and i that's my wife that uh, we needed to be in the same church i mean not two separate denominations and not two other churches but we need to be we needed to be unified as uh, as as parents for our daughter's sake and uh uh, you know that was that was when my journey of faith really began, uh, and and it was uh, it, it was a, a burdensome time for me because I was struggling because all of the, the some sixteen years or so that my wife and I dated and married before the Lord began truly dealing with me, uh, uh, you know. I, I hated the doctrines of grace. I hated election. I hated predestination. Uh, many of the other doctrines I could agree with, you know, uh, you know, justification and all those very things that I know what they mean now, but I didn't know them. But I agreed with. But when when it came to the point of of election and predestination, boy, boy, that was a real struggle, and and uh, I didn't, I just didn't get it. And and I'm thankful to my wife that, uh, you know, when when the Lord began to burden me uh, about this. She never wavered, you know. She never wavered. She, she, you know, she more or less told me, "said I will never leave the Primitive Baptist," and and uh, uh, you know that caused a bunch of passionate discussions <laughs> <laughs> between the two of us. And she never wavered. She never wavered. And I, and I take that back to to the, the the fact that from from basically birth, I mean, she's heard the doctrines of grace preached. And uh, that, you know, to say that young people can't understand things um, is is a false is a false narrative is a false interpretation is a false thought because they do. When 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 we hear as young people is when we hear something long enough and then when the Lord, you you know, we get it in our head, but we we may we we may not get it in our hearts, but once the heart and the head connects it can't be persuaded. 
Exactly. Well, your your story is so similar to mine in, in some ways that um, I, I have now. My wife and I were, you know, we attended church, and and I don't know if lukewarm is the is the word to use because we certainly knew that was um, it was important, and we knew that when we had a family, you know, we wanted to to attend church, and so we weren't lukewarm, but we weren't we weren't all in either. So I don't I don't know the best word for that, but I've credited my daughter uh, as my firstborn. I have a nine year old daughter, and. Uh, have a son too, but she was the first. And um, once, once I found out that we were having a, a child, and once she was here, the Lord used that to sanctify me in a way that I can't uh, explain. And I've, I've learned that so many other people have the same story. And so, uh, children really are a blessing from the Lord in more ways than just having a child. Um, the Lord uses children to sanctify His people. That's my opinion. Uh, I agree. I agree with you. And you know, it was it was such a burden to me at the time and uh that you know over the over the years of our of laura my wedding or or, you know since we've been married you know we've had we had those discussions sometimes they became passionate and you know i came up in a denomination that said that there is salvation by works and she was you, you know we didn't use this language specifically but you know my you know what i was raised in was that you had to accept Jesus as your Savior. And I, and I know that's a popular thing. And listen, today I do accept him as my Savior. But that's not the reason I'm saved. I'm, the reason I'm saved is because God loved me from before the foundation of the world. And, You're saved and, because he is your Savior. <laughs> absolutely. Not that he will be. You're right. absolutely right. And uh, uh, so, but anyway, uh, you know, after our daughter was born, I began to have these you know, that thought process that we needed to be in the same church. I didn't, I didn't believe, and I don't today that a wife or a husband should leave their, their, their belief system for the other ones. Uh, Now I'll, I'll asterisk that with, unless they're persuaded because when, when I began to, to search out and I'll, I'll be honest with you, brother Josh, uh, and I've, I've shared this with other people that, uh, you know, when the Lord started dealing with me and I, and I wanted to know was election, did, did God choose a people from before the foundation of the world that he loved, that he sent his son to die for, and that everyone without the loss of one that Jesus died for would be in heaven. And that's the totality of all that God loved from before the foundation of the world. Was it that or was it? he made everybody savable and then I had to do something. That's the question that I'd had to answer. Which is you believe the latter going in. Correct. This, right? but, yes. And, and as a, as a, you know, Southern Baptist. And again, as you stated earlier, I'm not, I'm not downgrading or putting off on anybody who, who is of the Southern Baptist faith or any other faith, but I had to know for myself. And so i I literally prayed to the Lord that if I would make myself a plain white sheet of paper, I would eject everything that I thought I knew about Jesus and God, and that I would eject everything that I heard about Jesus and God, and for him to show me the truth. And that was a struggle because 
uh, and I say this with some tongue in cheek, that I was persuaded at that point that the Lord would cause my wife to convert to be a Southern Baptist. I just, I was just absolutely persuaded because I knew I was right and that, and that she was wrong. And that just goes to show you that God has a sense of humor. <laughs> Very true. Um, do you think you understood election and predestination? You said, you said you didn't like, I can't remember the, the word you used, despise or hated or whatever. You, you did not like the, the doctrines of election and predestination. Do, do you think you understood them correctly? Because, you know, Sonny Piles, I've heard him say before that you can have the same vocabulary but a different dictionary. Um, yes, and, and listen, our, our brothers and sisters that don't have an understanding of the doctrines of sovereign grace, they don't talk about election and predestination. They don't, they don't have preachers preaching sermons on it. They don't have, uh, you know, Bible study groups or people getting together and discussing what election is and what predestination is. And I'll tell you, when, when, when I began my search, I, I started going to different churches. I wanted to find out what the truth was. And I, and, and I would, I would visit the church and, and uh, then make an appointment with the pastor. And that's kind of crazy that you would make an appointment with a pastor, but you know, when you when when there's churches that you've been to that have a thousand members and fifteen hundred members, um, yeah, you got you to. Have, I mean, yeah, and, and but anyway, I, I remember the the church, the the local First Baptist Church that I went to. I'm not going to say the name of it nor the pastor of the church at that time, but I, I made an appointment to see him, and and I sat down and was talking with him and told him, you know, where I was that, that you know we'd had a child and. I really feel like we need to be together. My wife and I need to be be united in the same church. You know, went through all of that, and and uh, he, I told him, I said, I, I really, I really struggle with this. I mean, it's scriptural. I see it. I read it in scripture where it talks about election and it talks about predestination. Tell me, and I'm I'm talking to this preacher. I'm looking him in the face, and he's probably thirty years my senior. And I, I look at him, uh, and I said, Tell me what it is. Tell me what it means. And let me tell you something, Brother Josh. Uh, the way he looked at me, <clears throat> he looked at me with a look of confusion. And what I mean by that is that he didn't have an answer for me. And his his final answer after hemming around for, I, I don't know how long. It could have been 30 seconds. could have been 15. It could have been five minutes. I don't know. But it, it, it was, to me, it was a, it wasn't a ready answer for him. It wasn't a solid answer when yeah. it came. And he, he, he said to me, he said, well, election and predestination is like this. If you, when you accept Jesus and you walk through the, the, the gates of heaven, uh, just look above the gates and at the top of the gate, it says predestined. And then when you pass through the gate and you turn around and you look back at the gate, it says elected. And he dropped it right there. Huh. And, well. and at that point, as uneducated as I was uh, from the things of scripture, that didn't make good horse sense Yeah. to me, period. Um, and, and uh, so I continued to look. Uh, and the other thing that he said, and this, and these were basically the same things that every 
other denominational preacher said to me, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the exact words, but it's similar. He looked at me dead in the eyes and he said, you need to get your wife and your daughter away from them and get them here. He said it just exactly like that. Yeah. And, and that didn't go over with me because here's something I hadn't mentioned before I, that uh, 16 years earlier, uh, Elder C.A. Blanton, Cleve Blanton, he's, he's a pastor of um, Big Creek Church just outside of Moultrie, Georgia, in southwest Georgia. Uh, this man, he married my wife. and He baptized my wife. He baptized her grandfather. And so in, in her mind, he hung the moon, and there was nobody else that was going to be the officiate, the officiant over our wedding but him. And I didn't care. <laughs> you know, as long as we got married, you know, so, uh, so, and, and as a good preacher would, he required that we come down and we at least sit down and talk to him. Now I've been to church with him a couple of times down there, you know, it's a, a hour, hour 15, hour 20 minute drive from my home and in, in, in uh, Cordial and down to Moultrie and outside of Moultrie and all that. But, uh, so as a good preacher, you know, he, he met me a couple of times, but he never sat down and talked with me. So when my wife asked him to, to marry us, he said, yeah, I, I, but first we got to sit down and have some conversation. And, um, so we went down and, and, uh, uh, uh you know, after services, uh, on a Sunday, early Sunday afternoon, we, we sat down on the front pew there, at Bridge Creek. I could take you to the church right now. I could sit you right where my wife and I sat. <laughs> um, and, and we, we, we had a conversation. He asked some questions and, uh, which were viable questions. And, and then he, he, after he got through with all those questions, he knew that I was not of the primary Baptist and come to find out, this was kind of strange that he knew my dad. And this was crazy, uh, that he knew my dad. I mean, I mean they weren't friends, but he knew my dad. They had worked together with the same company. My dad was an insurance company with an insurance company. And he spent a little time in the insurance business. And, but they, my dad knew him, uh, and, and probably from wow. 20 years, 20 years earlier, small world. And, uh, but anyway, uh, so one of the last things he told us, he, he looked at Laura, my wife, and he said, Laura, and knowing that I'm not a primitive Baptist, knowing that she's a primitive Baptist, obviously he baptized her and, and, uh, but he knew he, he didn't know me from, from a hole in the wall, <laughs> but, uh, per se, and uh, he looked at Laura and he said, Sister Laura, he said, I want you, uh, when y'all are married, he said, I want you to go two Sundays a month with Chris to church. And he turned to me and he said, and Chris, I want you to go with Sister Laura two Sundays a month. And that's all he said. And that stuck in the back of my head from that moment that he said it. He, so he, he wasn't. I hate to say it like this, but he wasn't scared of, of her being um, exposed to other beliefs. No, I, I, I really don't believe that. I believe what I believe today is in looking back over the time, I believe that he knew that her foundation was so strong that she would not budge from it. Yeah. And she didn't. She never did. And, it's a much different perspective than you were getting from the other pastors. absolutely and that's my that's my point brother josh that's my point is that the 
for all intents and purposes, all of the other ministers of the varying denominations that I sat down and spoke with as I was searching said basically that same thing. You need to get your wife and daughter away from them and get them here. Yeah, not not to, to understanding the gospel, but to get them here in, very, in this church. A very, very interesting perspective. I won't. And I, and I, ne- I never forgot that. I, yeah. I never forgot it. Uh, from brother, the time brother Cleve Blanton said that it always stayed in the back of my head. And then 16 years after that, when, when the Lord began to truly deal with me and, and, uh, caused me to have a, a burden for a unified family in the same church, when these messages started coming out, that just screamed, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. And, and I couldn't answer why. And then, you know, uh, we started attending church in Brunswick. We live in Kingsland, Georgia, which is 40 miles south of Brunswick, Georgia. And we started attending Zion Church there in Brunswick. When I when I and here's here's what I would do. And I'm getting really long winded, so just cut no, me off. No, that's uh, yeah. I'm uh, enjo- I'm enjoying it. If nobody else enjoys this, I <laughs> <laughs> well, that, when the Lord was dealing with me, I just every Sunday morning. I would get up and I would go to church and leaving my daughter and, and my wife at home, I would go to church uh, and I would, I was visiting varying denominations uh, and then, uh, and then coming home. And then I, I went back to what was you know familiar to me, the Southern Baptist. And so I go to the local Southern Baptist church and, and uh, the congregation is very large uh, for our community thousand fifteen hundred you know congregants there uh and so in in their in their building was relatively small comparative to a, you know a thousand people but uh so they 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 had an eight o'clock service and they had an 11 o'clock service so what i ended up doing was getting up and going to the eight o'clock service and at this time my wife was saying, you know, I'm just, I just can't go back to the Southern Baptist Church. I just can't do it because of some things I won't go into that happened. They weren't truly negative. They, things that happened were meant to be well, but Laura just wasn't comfortable with them. Sure. And, and I get it. So she said, I just can't go back there. And, and so I started going to, a, to the 8 o'clock service, and then it's over by, and I'm home by 9.15, 9.20, something like that. And they're ready. I packed them in the car. And we drive 40 miles up to Brunswick to go to church. Uh, church started at 10:30 there at Zion at that time, and um, you know, so we begin to. So I'm going to two church services a month, and and uh, two church, uh, church uh, services uh, a day, right? Every Sunday uh, or, or every Sunday, yeah, not a month, yeah. but two church services on Sunday, and um, so I'm getting feel good sermons at eight o'clock in the morning, and I get I get to Zion beginning 11 i get 40 uh, 30 minutes of song service of acapella singing and then an hour of doctrinal service and our my uh, the pastor there at the time and and i consider him to be my father in the ministry is elder marty hoskins he's the pastor at dallas church yeah, now great great yeah uh, he is i love him to death he's i consider him a great friend not only a father in the ministry but a great friend and and uh, so but we were both really young then so I'm, I'm 26, 27 years old at that time. And he's a couple of years younger than me. And uh, so we're kids still basically. 
for all of all of you who are under 40 and you think that kids when you get to be my age in your late 50s and early 60s you'll go you're in your 30s you're kids so yeah but, but so take that with a little tongue-in-cheek please i understand <laughs> but uh so but but this young preacher is he is he is throwing meat at me and all of this time as i mentioned previously that i said you know lord i, I just i'll make myself a, a plain white sheet of paper and eject everything that I thought I knew or what I've ever been told about you. And you tell me, and I've started studying the Bible literally for the first time in my life, truly started sitting down and studying the Bible. And, uh, I was, I was still trying to prove out salvation by works. That's what I wanted it to be because that's what I've always been taught. And, you know, that's what my parents believed. And, and, uh, you know, nobody wants to make their parents to be a liar. And, that's just the way that that uh, I view it now. But I look back. But I was stubborn too. But not to say the least. But I was really stubborn. But anyway, I was really I really believed that salvation by works that you had to do something. And in my case, it was accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Give your hand to the preacher and give your heart to God, and then you're saved. Well, and and, and to defend you to us, that makes sense, right? You got to do something. It can't be free. Oh, absolutely. The human by human nature. Yeah. Because then I can put my thumbs under my lapels and go see what I did and I get credit. And that's, that goes against scripture. We're going to know that in second uh, Ephesians chapter two. Yeah. No man but, can boast. Uh, right. Correct. But uh, anyway, so uh, as the process is going, a um, little funny side note that our daughter's birthday happened to be coincide in that inside that time frame And, and, uh, you know, so there's a little park from where we live, just a, a little community park that we decided to have our daughter. She was five, I believe, uh, with, uh, you know, a little birthday party, a little cake, and they got a little swing set and slides and, you know, that sort of thing there at the little park. And so we was going to have it there. So we invited some folks and my wife asked me, said, do you, do you think we should in, invite brother Marty and sister Twana and their kids to Caroline's birthday? I said, I don't care. Go ahead. And then she, you know, I don't know how much time, whether it was a day or two or minutes after that, that, that she said, wouldn't it be neat if we became friends with the preacher and his <laughs> wife? And my direct response to her was, I'm not going to be friends with no preacher. <laughs> and uh, it turns out today. I think I know I, other I, people with your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and, and today I, I I count brother Marty as one of my greatest friends and, yeah. uh, but in, in there, did he come to the party? Uh, oh, absolutely. They were there. Um, and, and, uh, they only had two children at the time, uh, drew and Hannah and, uh, both of them and, and our daughter became great friends over the course of time. And, and, uh, uh, and, and I would, I would, I, I hope that brother Marty and sister Twana would say that we're friends of theirs. Uh, although we don't see each other or communicate as much as we once did because they live five, six hours from us now. And, and, uh, you know, it's just by, uh, you know, geographic location that we, that we're not, uh, communicate. Sure. We don't get together like we once did, but, um, but I hope they would still say that, but, uh, you know, they were, they were a great impact, uh, uh upon our life. And, you know, but before all that, before love came, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a great discourse that came at least within me, uh, before, uh, before the Lord, you know, s 
settled my heart, if I could say it that way. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. But, um, you know, uh, I w- we went to church one Sunday. And, you know, I go to 8 o'clock Southern Baptist Church, get home, rush home, pack the family in the car, drive 40 miles, go there. And this this young preacher, and um, uh, you know, he, he saw this pattern of us being there on a weekly basis. And, and uh, he's talking to, to, to my wife as a Southern Baptist to a Southern Baptist. And my wife explains the situation. And, and uh, so ultimately, he, you know, whether he meant to on purpose or not, I don't know. I, I think he may have planned it. He's a sneaky character. But uh, he's a Kentucky uh, he, guy. So you got to watch. Yeah. Him. Well, and, you know, that. well, we won't get off on football programs. But, <laughs> <you know. laughs> because, but anyway, uh, you know. One Sunday he preached on on the and I and I and I spoke on this this past Sunday, Second um, Timothy two ten, uh, and it, it is the the verse that converted me to the doctrines of grace. And Paul wrote to Timothy in that second letter in that second chapter. He said, "Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." And you know, he pointed out that this is the only verse in Scripture where eternal eternal glory, meaning eternal salvation, and salvation are in the same verse, and they don't mean the same thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I didn't like that. I left that, and my wife asked me on the drive home, she said, well, what do you think of the sermon? I said, it's all right. You know, all right. It wasn't nothing major, you know. But in the, in that time in in that sense, I'm you know it's angering me because it's proving every aspect of what I have believed to be wrong, and I didn't know how wrong at that point. I just know it it was rubbing me wrong, and uh, so we got home and and I began to study more and examining that verse and. <clears throat> I was in the car business, like I said, working for an independent car dealer and uh, at the time, and we were selling just enough cars to keep our nose above water at that little place. And uh, the guy that I worked for was of the Jewish faith, a great guy. I love him to death, and, and uh, uh, I consider him a great friend. And uh, about halfway through Monday, uh, I'm just really disturbed. I mean, with with the amount of cars, we didn't have a lot of traffic, so... I spent a lot of time at my desk reading the Bible and making notes and studying and and uh, tracing Greek and Hebrew and you know all of that. Uh, and uh, he, you know, this, I know this is getting long, but you know, it's it's really integral to give, at least to me, it is to give God all the praise, glory, and the honor because I came to no conclusion of my own. The Lord showed it to me, <laughs> and he and and he yeah. used men and he used men to do that. Uh, he used men and his word and the spirit. And, uh, as I began to, to, uh, study that, uh, uh, you know, I began to have questions. So I, I communicated with brother Marty and he sent me a couple of faxes through back to work and give me some reference stuff. And, and I began to study those things out. And then on Tuesday, the next day I called him and I, I told him that I, I would like to come and, and, uh, I would like to come to his house and I'd like to talk to him because, and that's, that's really a, 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 I missed one part of it because that was a week in between the first, when he preached on second Timothy two ten And when I started communicating with him, because 
uh, in that time frame, you know, I'd studied it out and, and had in my mind the, the Armenian answer for his, uh, uh, you know, sermon on that. And I was ready to, as I, as I, the phrase that I use, the proverbial 12 gauge double barrel shotgun, I was ready to blow him away. And, uh, the next Sunday after that, I've kind of got this a little bit out of order, but the following Sunday after he preached that I was ready to unload on him. I was, I was ready for bear. I walked through this. I walked through the doors of the church, and he wasn't there. He had a preaching appointment somewhere else, and we had a filling preacher, and he wasn't there. <laughs> and uh, so, but it, and it was that following Monday and Tuesday that that all of this transpired. And on that Tuesday, I called him and I said, after I get off work, I'd like to come and talk with you. So he he gave me directions, and so I went to his house, and um, we we sat and talked for a couple of hours, and and. Uh, uh, you know, ultimately, it boiled down to me as saying, and I, I looked him in, the, in his face and in his eyes, and I said, you know, I, I guess, I'm guess I'm, I'm just an old hard shell, because the Lord had showed me. He, he showed me with Second Timothy two ten that eternal salvation, eternal glory, and salvation do not always mean the same thing, and that, uh, uh, and then you know, with Brother Marty pointing me over to to John chapter six and Galatians five. Uh, showing me these things and, and the Acts, the book of Acts in the second chapter, um, pointing me to these things that I began to see. And, and when I saw that, that, that no man can come to the Lord except the Lord draw him to Jesus. And, uh, you know, John 6 and 44. And no man can come to me except the Father would draw him. And then everybody that he draws to him. You know, we say, I think it's in six and 39 that, and, uh, you know, that all of the, that the father giveth me shall come to me. And, and yeah, he I, said, will, I came but, down from heaven, not to do my own will, right. but the will of the father, which sent me. And then yeah. he tells you he what said, the father's will is. Yeah. And he says, and, and I will raise them up again at the last day. And that word again in that verse is very important because it tells you that it's something that's happened more than once. So what is that? This happened more than once. He'll raise him up again at the last day. The last day is kind of obvious. That's resurrection day. And then raise him up again. Well, what was the first one? It has to be the new birth. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. You know, you know, Jesus does that. And then Jesus will raise us up again on the last day. So, and, and you can't get there without God drawing you to. And there is nowhere in those verses that Jesus says that you have to accept, go to class, get baptized, or nothing. And and that opened my eyes. Now I'm not saying I was a school. I had the school solution on the doctrines of sovereign grace, but I saw enough. You couldn't that, unsee it, could you? No, I couldn't unsee it. It was impossible. We can't and see then, each other right now. We were talking about this before we started the podcast about being able to see each other while we're talking and how beneficial that could be. And I wish you could see the smile on my face right now, brother Chris. <laughs> I, I have, um, well, that's, that's, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. Well, I give, I give God all the praise and glory. Yeah, and the praise God. Cause I'm just as much a heathen today as I was when I was, you know, 10 years old. I, I mean, I, uh, except by the grace of God, I would be far worse off than I am today. And, and you know, I, I'm thankful to him for my wife, for 
her being, and this is the only way I know how to say it, being as stubborn as she is and can be at some times, uh, that he, he gave us a, a child. We have the one daughter. We love her to death. And, um, you know, any, any place to desire in me and, and in my wife to, to have a better understanding of the truth. And, uh, it's just, it was just, uh, uh, you know, I look back over and I'm so thankful for it. Well, you, you left everything that you had been raised in and the belief that you held to behind. So let's, let's end with this question. You did that. And that is a courageous thing to do, but you know, the Lord had shown you the truth um, of salvation by grace, and how how did that? How would you explain that to others? How did doing that impact your life? I can tell you the first thing that the first real worry I had about it, because uh, the people that knew me then, I was I was I worked at a uh, mainstream or you know one of the big three car dealerships. I was a finance manager there, and um, uh, and I had a lot of friends, and you know we would go out and after work and do things that I really wouldn't want to discuss, and uh, uh, and and you know my biggest concern at that point was that you know all of these people that I consider to be my friends are going to abandon me. And they did, and, and and that that I that scared me. I mean, it really did, brother Josh. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell I'll tell everybody else out there that I understand where you are if you've had that thought, because uh, I, I lived it. But one thing that I didn't know at the time that I can look back on, and it didn't take me long to see it after I tried begin to try to follow Christ uh, in in His footsteps, is that God gave me a whole bunch of a whole large group of new friends that that are better friends than the ones I had. Now I'm not belittling those friends that, and, and I still call them friends and I still talk to them from time to time, but, but we don't go to lunch and we don't go out after hours and we don't, you know, we don't do all that now. And, but if any of them, particularly, you know, a handful of them in, in, in particular, if they called and needed my help, I'm there. And, and, and I'll help them. And I know that I could call a handful of them. And if I truly needed some help, they would, they would come and help. But he gave me a, a broad, God gave me a broader, much broader group of people that I call friends. And yeah, I even call them family. Yeah. He gave you a family uh, really. That's what and, I was thinking. and, 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 and what a blessing it has been. I mean, I could tell you stories about the Ulmers down in central Florida, down around the Orlando area. Uh, that and families like that that I just love to death, and uh, uh, and, and tell you humorous stories. I mean, the Ulmers, and, and, you know, they're Florida Gator fans, and I'm a Georgia fan, and uh, I could tell you of our basically our first engagement with them was I can look back on it and say hilarious because uh, and at the time my wife was worried that, that they were going to kick us out of the house because it was Georgia, Florida Saturday <laughs> and the biggest game of the season for both teams was underway and we beat them. So, you know, it was a great day. <laughs> well, I, I anyway, graduated from Alabama and my wife I'm graduated sorry. from Auburn and I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm I, really I believe sorry. we have a strong marriage. So with God, all things are possible. <laughs> 
Amen. Uh, <laughs> Amen. But we weren't but, supposed to get into football. <laughs> well, I, I know. I, I, I can't help it. I mean, after 40 years and, and we win a national championship, I mean, come on, give me a, give me a break. Yeah, we don't even think uh, about that kind of stuff in Alabama anymore. That happens every couple of years. Here. I know. I know. That's, that, that's just uh, <laughs> what it is. Uh, but it, anyway, so the, the maybe some difficulties, um, you know, outside of that, it wasn't that that big of a difficulty for me because I'm, I'm not that guy that walks up to the, to the water and sticks a toe in. I'm the guy that just jumps in. I buy yeah. the field. That's, that's my personality. And, uh, and that's, that's what I did then. Uh, and I still continue to do those things today. Uh, that that's just my personality. Now, when it comes to my dad, uh, and, and dad was a big influence in my life. And, and I like, like most young men are dad dad's a big big person in their eyes and my dad was one of those big men he wasn't he wasn't that guy that would walk around quoting scripture but he walked it i mean he was an honest person we just by events that we my brothers and i have seen him doing his life we knew uh and he he i'd rather have somebody that walks it and and doesn't talk it than than talks it and doesn't walk it and and one of the one of the things that if I could say it unnerved me, it didn't re- didn't re- really make me afraid, but it maybe unnerved me some was that telling Dad that that I joined the Primitive Baptist, and when I and when I told him that, he was joyed. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, he was overjoyed, and for him it was the fact that and, and this at least this is what I say think he didn't verbalize it per se, but it was that okay, you're going to be in you're going to be in church. You're going to be studying scripture and you're going to learn things about God. I, I think that's my, that was my dad's overall perspective. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, that 14 year old boy that he, he wanted to make a decision had finally made one. Um, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Pretty much so. Um, but you know, I was baptized in the, in the Southern, I mean, yeah, in the Southern Baptist church when I was 11 years old and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and I, I made that decision because yeah. of, uh, you know, and, and listen, I don't discount. And, and I was rebaptized. Brother Marty baptized me, rebaptized me into, into primitive Baptist faith. And, and <clears throat> I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the reason I didn't uh, was was because I, I just everything was a new to me. It was new to me. And, and and I guess that was that's the best way to say it is that at that time it was new, and it, and I don't discount uh, uh, per se the baptism that I had at eleven, but I had new information now. I had I had a I had a different relationship with Christ. I had a different relationship with God, and it wasn't because I chose to have it. It was because He loved me, and. And uh, I realized that, and and th- you know, the peace that I had, which I don't, I haven't told too many people this, and I guess now I'll tell everybody that wants to hear it. But you know, when, when my wife and I were first married, young, we were young. I, I was married at age twenty-one, and uh, over the next few years, you know, the thought process of my mom and dad dying uh, distraught me. I mean, it just, it really did. I would lay a bed, lay in the bed at night and, and sometimes just weep over that. I'm the youngest of four and I was really a mama's boy. Uh, and, and, and the thought of 
my mom and dad, you know, dying, just, I, I just, it just broke my heart. But when, when the Lord showed me and I began to understand, have knowledge of scripture, that fear, that, that anxiety, it went away. And when my dad died in 03, I can't say that I didn't shed a tear, but I didn't share, shed many. I shed one or two tears with my wife and nobody else uh, because he was my dad. But I knew, I knew where he was. I knew, I know where he is. And my mother, the same, uh, you know, when, when she died in 06, uh, I didn't shed not one tear for her. And it's not because I didn't love her. I mean, I was a mama's boy. I loved her. She hung the moon. But, you know, I know where she is and I would not call them back if I could, because they are far better off than I am. And, and, and what I had been taught as a child never, ever gave me that rest that the doctrines of sovereign grace, that we have a successful savior, not one that could be successful if you let him, but we have a successful savior. And, you know, I, like many people, I feared death then. I don't fear death now. Now, the process bothers me a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. death itself really doesn't bother me. And, I, and I, I pray that I can say that with great hope and great confidence today. But the, I, I can freely admit that the process of it is, is not something I look forward to. But I know that, uh, that the Lord is in charge of all of these things. Well, the Lord said that the truth will set you free. And what I think Amen. we just heard is, is a man that's been set free by the truth. And Chris, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed talking with you. Um, anything else well, you want to share before we close it out? Yeah, let me, let me just say this. And you sent me a list of questions that we've pretty much been down and, and, uh, I've, I've talked way too much and which is not uncommon for me, but I, I would like to say this, that, uh, in coming to the, to the primitive Baptist church, and the doctrine of sovereign grace, it has given me not the denomination itself, but the doctrine, the understanding of Jesus Christ, that he's reconciled us, where we were enemies with God, that we are no longer enemies with God. God's elect people are no longer enemies of God. That gives me peace of mind. And what's even greater than that is that it has taught me through his word and by his spirit, because I can't claim any of it, that God is real. Hmm. And he, and, and the older I get, the, the stronger that belief gets is that God is real. And that, you know, that if I can convey anything to anybody, about the doctrines of sovereign grace is that it teaches that God is real. And God is God. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but Chris, I've enjoyed it. Everybody go check out the elder record podcast. Um, you can get that through all the major podcast distributors. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I hope you, I hope, I hope, I hope this will be impactful to others and the others will enjoy it as much as I have uh, been, you know, they'll enjoy hearing it as much as I've enjoyed uh, hearing it just now. I appreciate you, brother Chris. 
Thank you, Brother Josh. You take care and God bless you.